So I want you to picture with me uh, uh, in your head just for a moment uh, the Navy SEALs. So, so imagine, I think we even, maybe we have an image. Okay, so this is, the, this is the image I want to get you to get in your head. So Navy SEALs are these incredibly like highly trained, determined, focused men. And, and imagine them, them leaving a submarine under the cover of darkness. They, they navigate underwater with all kinds of cool James Bond gear. That they swim a mile underwater up to a shore, and under the cover of darkness, they, they, they come onto this beach, and this, this hostile beach, and in this far and distant land, and, and they, they huddle together. And then just imagine, if you can, as, as they come together in this beach, as they huddle together, one of the guys says, can anyone tell me what we're doing here? Can you imagine just one of them saying, no, no, seriously, why are we here again? I, I don't know. The strangest thing just slipped my mind, but can someone tell me what our mission is? Can you imagine that radio call back to the ship? Oh, uh, yes. The SEALs have uh, successfully landed on the beach. Can you tell us what we're doing here again? We just, we, you know, we, we've forgotten our mission. And I know it's a crazy, ridiculous example that would never happen, but that seems to be exactly what is happening in a bunch of North American churches. They're filled with Christians who are, are packed and equipped for a trip they never take. And so this series we're in now is about this mission, is about our life mission is, a, is about God's mission for us. And, and it asks the question, do you know? Do you know what your life mission is? And I think if you, if you pay attention to Scripture, it, it comes across pretty obvious. Some call it the Great Commission, evangelism, discipleship, witnessing. The simplest way I know to, to talk about it is uh, the way they talk about it in Ephesians is that at, at some level there are people who are far from God who need to be drawn near. At the very heart of God, God's heart beat. The reason he sent his son was to take a people who were far away and bring them near. That's God's number one plan. That is, that is God's Mission, that is God's purpose from day one, and his plan has become our mission. And we believe the life mission of every Christian is to grow followers of Jesus Christ. Followers who grow followers, disciples who make disciples. And, and this is not the mission of theologians. This is not the mission of, of, uh, of scholars or ministers or just the elders, but we believe this is the life mission of every single one who calls themselves a Christian. And this year at Aspen Grove, this is the shift we're trying to make. This is the mission we are leaning into more than, more than maybe we ever have before. To fulfill this mission through the grace and blood of Jesus Christ, to draw those who are far from God near. One of the books we're going to be using uh, for our small group series, and we've got a ton of resources on discipleship and uh, this life on mission, but uh, uh, coincidentally, uh, by a book by a guy named Tim Har Harlow um, out of Chicago, Parkview Baptist Church, or, or Parkview Christian Church, excuse me. Incredible, amazing church. But he wrote this book that, that's kind of going to be one of our guides through, uh, through this series, through this, these ideas of, 
of discipleship or, or witnessing. And in his book, he, he kind of talks about these ideas of, uh, of or, or talks about how can, we, how can we live this life on mission. And he talks about these, um, the, this mission agenda and what are the actions that constitute a life on mission. Now, we don't want to get too formal. I don't want to give you a five-step plan to salvation. Have any of you heard this before? You know, I, I, it's not about that, but, but there are some kind of overarching actions that we can all take part in. And so the series is going to be kind of sort of loosely guided by some of these. Uh, the actions are to connect, to serve, to share, to grow, and to pray. And so today, a little bit, I want to spend some time talking about this idea of connecting. In Acts chapter 1, it is uh, post-resurrection, which just had to be an awesome time. Jesus is appearing. Some scholars say he hung around for as long as a year, appearing to apostles and disciples, appearing to people, teaching and preaching. And in Acts chapter 1, we get this, this incredible picture. Acts is this story of all about the genesis of the church and, and this kind of ongoing mission. And right at the beginning in Acts chapter 1, the apostles are gathered around Jesus' feet and they're asking about, well, when's this kingdom going to come? Because they're still thinking of the castle that's actually going to land on Jerusalem with its own army and all of this. When is all of this going to happen? And Jesus tells them, it's not for you to know. You don't get to know. Sorry, tough luck. And then Jesus tells them, commissions them. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, look what he says. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my, what's the word? Witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus does this incredible Chris Angel magic trick and levitates up into heaven, right? He ascends into heaven, and you get this great scene of the apostles going... You know, they're just kind of, they can't believe what just happened, and I can't believe what he just said. So let's spend a few minutes looking at this, uh, at this teaching, specifically looking at the verse. The first thing he says is, as you go out on this mission, first thing you need to remember is that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. What we're talking about this year at Aspen Grove, and not just this year, but, but as we move into this mission of God, it's what, one of the first things to remember is it's not about our power. It's not about, about how knowledgeable you are or how credible you are or how holy of a life you've lived. But it's about the power of the Holy Spirit within us, God's power at work within us. You're powerful because the Holy Spirit has come to you, to me. And he says, you will be my witnesses. After you receive this power, you will be my witnesses. And this is the Greek word. It's, it's martis. It's where we get the word martyr, right? And a witness's job is to tell from firsthand experience. A witness is not necessarily an expert except about what they've seen, Right? They don't claim to be an expert about something they haven't witnessed. They don't claim to be an expert about something they haven't seen. They just tell what they know. I love what uh, William Barclay says. He says, a witness is first a man who says, I know this is true. And Jesus says, that's you. And then 
he puts a location on it. He actually gives uh, GPS coordinates, gives us an address, and actually mentions four specific locations for, these, uh, for the apostles that are gathered around. It says, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll be powerful. You will be my witnesses. And he mentions a couple of places. You'll be telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And so let's start at the end and, and back up. To the ends of the earth. Next week, um, like I said, uh, I, I think it's, um, oh, I cannot remember the name of the church right now, but uh, we're going to take our teenagers and we're going to go to the Compassion Experience. For those of you that have Compassion Kids, so Compassion is this great organization. You can sponsor kids all around the world. My wife and I, we've been sponsoring a little girl in Kenya. Her name is Halima. Uh, we've been sponsoring her for seven years, eight years, and she sends us letters and we send her letters back, and it costs us about a buck a day. And sometimes when we talk about missions across the sea or where it takes plane rides to get there, sometimes I hear people say, why aren't we doing more in our town, our community, our neighborhood? Why, why are we feeding kids in Africa when our own people are hungry here? Have you ever run into this tension before? It, it definitely exists. And so one of the things that I think is happening when Jesus says to the ends of the earth is, um, I think he's saying both and, and that's kind of our approach here at Aspen Grove. Uh, do, do we think that we should help Halima in Africa, or do we think we should help, uh, so we sent out Operation Christmas Child Boxes. Did you see that this past uh, Advent season? We sent out over 70 boxes. Some of, the Bali, some of the boxes we know have gone to South Sudan. Some of the boxes we know have uh, gone to, to children in Mali. And what we think at Aspen Grove, and I think what Jesus is, is pointing to, is that it's a both and. It's people far away that are incredibly different for, from us, that, that we're supposed to witness to those people, but that is not to neglect those people near, too, that we have a witness here also. And it speaks to this kind of message that we have to, to say the, this message that we get to share with people. And one of the great things about it is it's incredibly, unimaginably inclusive. Who's it for? Is it for the person sitting next to you? Yeah, absolutely. Is it for the person uh, who's going to serve your lunch today? Yeah, absolutely. And is it for the person you've never met, don't know, it looks completely different from you and you've never even heard of? Is it for them too? Yeah. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. So there's this big picture, but then the, the, the ripples in the pond get smaller and smaller as we back up. Then he mentions this place in Samaria. You'll be my witnesses in Samaria. Have you ever heard someone make that, uh, that uh, like a spit sound in their mouth? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You know that sound? Like it sounds like they're hogging a loogie or something. I know it's so gross. It's true. That a... Uh, <laughs> Sound. When Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Samaria, all of the apostles in unison there that day went. <laughs> because that sound is associated with being shocked, stunned, or offended. And for good Jewish boys and girls, very few things were more offensive than Samaria. 
We're going to talk about this a little bit more in, in, in a few weeks. But Samaria is this place that has their own temple. They have their own way of doing things. It's very outside of the Jewish order. And um, it, it would have been a people hated by the Jews. They're even commanded in, in Scripture to avoid Samaritans. Remember, Jesus talks to a Samaritan woman, and it is a big deal when he talks to her. And uh, it, it's, uh, it, it is, uh, for, for Jews and Samaritans, it is this relationship filled with prejudice and racism and offense and hatred. And, and pun intended, uh, for the Jews, there is no such thing as a good Samaritan. You hear what I'm saying? And Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Samaria. And the apostles went, Ugh. And what he's saying is, you're going to be my witnesses even to people you don't like. Even to people you don't agree with or associate with. So there's going to be people far away, people you're very different from. There's going to be people that maybe you don't like, want to be around, want to associate with. And then there's people in Judea. Judea is like the SEC for us. I mean, that's like, that's like the South. That's like um, biscuits and gravy. You know, I mean, that's like, uh, it, it's just a language that, that now the apostles are like, oh, okay, we understand this. It's a world that they would have grasped. It's the southern portion of Israel, land of the tribes of Benjamin and, and Judah. Uh, this is not New York City, like New York City would be to us. This is not like California to us. You know, this is the south. This is, this is middle Tennessee, East Nashville, Murfreesboro, Dixon, Judea is. That's the Ryman. All right. Are you following me? Like, now you're speaking our language. And so he's going to say, these are people you're going to witness to at the same time. They're going to be very similar to you. They're going to have a similar way of life. But, but you don't know everyone that lives in Middle Tennessee. They're still going to be filled with strangers. And finally, so he backs up. The, the, the pond ripples get smaller and smaller and smaller. He says, the first place you're going to go. The place to, almost, almost as in the, the place to begin, the place to start is Jerusalem. Jeru Jerusalem is this like incredibly important city in the Bible. It's the, it's the city of God. Um, but more, maybe even more important in this context than that is Jerusalem is the place they were at at that moment. Does that make sense? Like, like they, were, they were physically there. But before I talk more about Jerusalem, I'm, I just want to talk about the location of our church building, um, this, the, our physical property here at 274 Mallory Station Road. There's a map of it in, in kind of the greater, greater Nashville area. There's, a, there's our church building. And while I, I love our building, it's very nice and, you know, it's very modern and we have fun things like an air hockey table and, you know, like we have some cool toys. I hate the location of our building. Um, and if you've been around me very much, uh, I've complained a lot about the location of our, of our building. Uh, and, and I don't know the predecessors. I've only been here a little over three years. I, I don't know what happened in, in the whole story of 
how we got to this place and how the church purchased this property, but, but here's my impression. And so it may be completely wrong, but my impression is from the little bit that I do know that our forefathers, our predecessors bought this building because it was an open building for sale. They did not buy this building because there was a specific people group to serve or they were called to minister to. Is that fair? Am I being fair? It was a great space. It was, it was a great facility. It, it, was, it, you know, it was super nice and super modern, and it was for sale, and we needed a space. And so I get that. I get that. But it had nothing to do with people. And it's one of our struggles now, even, uh, even at Aspen Grove, is uh, how many of you live right next to our church building? <laughs> Almost no one. Yeah, I mean, very some, some are close, but there, we, we have more shops and uh, uh, white-collar kind of offices and businesses, very few like people to serve. And, and so I've complained and griped about our building because... I was like, man, I just wish it was in a neighborhood that needed Jesus. And then that would kind of be, that would make sense. But we're in this semi-industrial semi area. But then it occurred to me, and, and I guess maybe one of, the, one of the struggles that we've had at Aspen Grove is answering the question, who? Who are we here to serve? Because who, who are we here to witness to? Who are we here to to, to deliver the message of Jesus Christ. Who, 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 are our, who is the people group that, that we're here to serve? And if you just look at the address of our building, it seems, well, I don't know, I just don't like it. But then through this series and kind of spending time even with some of our elders, I recognize that I've really been thinking about this upside down. Maybe... Our church needs a change of address. I'm not talking about selling the building. Calm down. We're not going into a building campaign. But what if the address of Aspen Christian or Aspen Grove Christian Church is not 27 More Mallory Station, but what if the address of our church is 200 Heatherset Drive? That's my address. What if the address of Aspen Grove Christian Church is your address. Put that next slide up here. Here's what the map would look like. Now we have a people to serve. If the address of our church is not just this physical location, but it's the location of your home and it's the location of your office place or where you go to the gym or where you do your banking now our church has the answer. We have the answer to the question, who? We have an audience. We have a people to serve. And when Jesus says, I want you to go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, I, I don't think he was just talking about the city of Jerusalem, but I, was think he was, I think he was talking about the ground you walk even today, every day. And so your Jerusalem and, and my Jerusalem would be Creve Hall or, or Dallas Downs. It'd be our local gym. It'd be our, our neighborhood cookout, an office party, uh, your kid's soccer team. 
your Jerusalem is, like I said, maybe your bank teller or the person in the cubicle next to you, the ground you walk every day. When Jesus said, love your neighbor, what if he actually literally meant your neighbor? That's what Mother Teresa said. She said, I want you to be concerned about your next door neighbor. Do you know your next door neighbor? So I'm suggesting as a part of a life on mission, our church needs a change of address. Greg Nettle, he's the, the head of Stadia Church Planning Organization, said Jesus didn't commute to his ministry. He moved into the neighborhood. And the who for Aspen Grove is our neighbors. Our church building doesn't have to be in a neighborhood as long as our members are. But this is a radical shift in, in how we do church and how we think about church. Um, uh, on Sunday morning, you wouldn't uh, pack up and put on your, your special clothes to come to church. You would actually be leaving your church to come and be equipped, to come and be trained, to come and be encouraged to go back and spend. Instead of just spending an hour a week at church, now you live. your everyday life, right in the middle of your neighborhood. That is your Jerusalem. You see, I think Acts chapter 1 is about geography. I mean, they're, they're going to go to these places. They really do. If you follow the story of Acts, follow the movement of the church, kind of starts in Jerusalem, and then it goes to Judea, and then it gets bigger and bigger, and it expands out. You, you get that. But there's another view of what's happening in this verse in Acts chapter 1-2. It, it is a 10,000-foot view. Like there's a close view, but then there, there's a high-up view. And, and the high-up view teaches us, I think, that Acts chapter 1 verse 8 uh, isn't just about geography, but it's also about our personal boundaries and borders. My guess is, if you're like me, you've probably made excuses for not witnessing to certain kinds and groups of people. I don't have to worry about witnessing to people at the ends of the earth. I don't even know these people. I don't have to give to, I don't have to support a compassion kid. I don't even know this. I don't even know these people. They're so different from me. I'll never even, I'm never even going to meet him. What witness can I possibly, what difference can I possibly have or, or make with them? How am I supposed to witness to people I don't even like? <laughs> people who make me make that sound. That's going to sound awesome on the recording, by the way. Have you made excuses about not sharing your faith with, not witnessing, not, not talking about Jesus to people because you don't like them or you didn't vote the same way they did or you don't agree with their lifestyle because you've labeled them and you've, you have created borders around yourself and they are on a completely different continent, land, place? 
Even people in Judea, even people we speak the same language and we rub shoulders with, even people in, in our ballpark, it's still easy for us to say, well, I don't, I don't know how to witness to them. They're strangers. I don't know them. But the most painful excuse we make are, is to those people in Jerusalem. And if I'm honest, I think Christians, even myself, we feel a lot of guilt about this. That somehow we're supposed to be called to be, God is calling us, urging us, begging us to witness to our neighbors, to the people nearest to us. And when I even now, right now, when I'm talking to you about going and hey, do you even know your neighbor? Have you invited them to church? Have you, have you had a conversation about them? Do you know if they even have a faith or what they believe or what they're going through? Even right now, that makes you uncomfortable because you know there's that person in your office who you know their name, you've seen them at the office party, you pass them at the water cooler, you've known them probably for years, and you have no idea if they have a faith or not. And to now come after all this time has been built in and to now come and ask about a faith as if you care is going to feel really, really awkward, right? But Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And so that means some of the most awkward conversations you're going to have aren't with people who are going to be far away, but the ones you know, the ones you meet with every single day. Maybe even the person you're sitting next to right now. Because your Jerusalem isn't just outside these walls, but it's also within these walls. Because discipleship is this idea that um, it, it's important to define this kind of idea of discipleship. Because I, I think while being a disciple has a beginning, uh, it's a book with no end. You're never really ever done being a disciple. Does that make sense? You're, you're never really done being discipled. Right now, I'm being discipled. My, my parents are still discipling me. They're, they're drawing me nearer and nearer to God all the time. There are people in my life that are discipling me. They're, they're, they're drawing me into a deeper relationship with, with Jesus Christ. And, and so discipleship is this thing that's never done. And, and I think discipleship happens uh, before there's kind of this, these ideas of pre-conversion and post-conversion discipleship. So there's a kind of discipleship that happens before you ever give your life to Christ, Right? But there's also a kind of discipleship that happens even after you've given your life to Christ. It's not that you were baptized, oh, got this, done, right? No, like, we still need to be drawn near to God. There's things for us still to, to grow in and learn, to grow closer to God, to grow as disciples. And, and that's why the, the idea of discipling, of witnessing in Jerusalem is so incredibly difficult Because the people we are called to disciple are so close to us. Let me ask you, husbands, are you discipling your wives? Wives, are you discipling your husbands? Are you discipling each other? Are you drawing each other near to God? Parents, are you discipling your kids? Or is that Josh's job? See, there's this uncomfortableness about making witnesses, disciples in 
Jerusalem. But this is what it means to be on mission. This is the life mission that, that Jesus calls us to. And I don't want to heap guilt on you today, but encourage you. Remind you that your role is to witness far away, but especially to the person right next to you. And so I want to put some meat on this. Uh, we believe in this idea so, uh, so strongly uh, that uh, I'm actually going to give you homework. And uh, we're going to call it uh, the Hospitality Challenge. Uh, I used to like a nice, like, Downton Abbey kind of background. Do you like that? Hospitality makes me think of Downton Abbey. I don't know why. And so here's what we are going to challenge you to do. It's a 30-day challenge. And as we talk about life on mission, we want to give you some practical things to do. Because uh, you're going to walk out of here and go, okay, he told me to disciple, but I have no idea how to do this. So we want to give you some practical stuff, practical things for you to do. And uh, this is the first of many, hopefully, hospitality challenges. But here it is. Over the next 30 days, I want you to invite one person from Aspen Grove Christian Church into your home. Okay? Um. I'll make it a little bit harder. There's already a bunch of people that you know and are best friends with that are in your home all the time, and you already thought, oh, done. No. No. Go broader. <laughs> Go broader. You bunch of slackers. Man, I know a ton of you thought that. Um, invite someone that you don't know as well as your best friends who are already in your home all the time. Maybe someone who's never been in your home. If you think about it, it wouldn't be... Uh, I, what, very few of us have had, has everyone been in somebody else's home? No, it's not possible, I don't think. So there's someone in this room right now over the next 30 days that's going to get an invitation from you to come into your home, into your house. And it, it doesn't have to be a, a meal, it doesn't have to be a, a big deal. You know, it could be coffee or dessert or, or board games. After all, Lord, we are the South people. We should be able to do this, all right? Um, and this idea that happens in life on mission is, is that it's about friendship. And, and this is something we're going to come back to a lot. I can't, I can't elaborate on it a bunch today. But the person you invite into your home is not your project, Okay? Um, because projects are never going to be discipled. That, that's never going to work. This is just about friendship. It is just about getting to know someone else. It is just about expanding your relationship with others. Um, and uh, so a couple caveats. You have 30 days. Invite someone else from Aspen Grove into your home. Um, I, I know some of you are squeamish about your house. Well, you haven't seen my house. Well, I don't care. You know, have a picnic in the front, front yard if your house is dirty. Whatever. You know, this is about, we got to expand our borders here, people. Um, we have two kids. Our house is like a, I don't know, landmines everywhere. It's just ridiculous. But I think you can do this. And I just want you to talk. I just want you to spend time together. Just enjoy each other's company. and Enjoy the presence of, of other people. Um, if you want to start a conversation about faith, well, hey, what do you believe? Or what do you think about our crazy preacher? Isn't he ridiculous? Or I don't know. Like, 
If you want to start, start a conversation about faith, that's great. Do it. I encourage you to. But don't feel like I'm, I'm twisting your arm. You don't have to fill the bapt, you know, your bathtub with water just in case of a spontaneous baptism. I'm not saying that. I mean, this, this life mission is, is deeply, deeply, deeply relational. And it's only going to happen when we expand on our relationship. There's the truth of Aspen Grove is that we are awesome friends and we need to continue in the process of making new friends, enjoying the company of others. Scripture even says that some, by showing hospitality to strangers, have entertained angels. One of the key, uh, you know, Dave stood up here with the other elders, one of the key elements in scripture for being an elder. It mentions it in a numerous places is this idea of hospitality. It is so important for us to open our lives to others. Even Jesus said, I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. So you have 30 days. Everyone know what you're supposed to do? I'm coming back. I'm not going to forget. I'm coming back to this. I promise. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. I'm going to share a few final thoughts as we wrap up. The first step of living a life on mission is this idea of relationship, this idea of connecting with others, with building new relationships. And that means we have to go beyond our parameters, of what we think about people and our home as this refuge of solitude. And we've got to step across those partitions that limit and divide us from others to tell the truth of Jesus Christ. Remember, witness a person who tells the truth, tells what they know. Discipleship is, this life mission is about interpersonal border crossings. And it starts with the people right next to you. Really. Really. The idea of discipleship, God's mission, starts right here with the people on your row, with the people sitting next to you. The address of Aspen Grove Christian Church, I, I'm praying, is going to change. That it's not just going to be 274 Mallory Station anymore, but it's going to be your house and my house and our gyms and where we buy coffee. I can tell you this. Your Jerusalem needs you. Let me say it again. Your Jerusalem needs you. There are people that only you know that will hear about Jesus because of you. This is the mission that Jesus gives us and this is the mission that I send you out on today. Right under your nose, God is already positioning people to receive this incredible witness. If God's put it on your heart today to respond, we want to pray with you, or if we can baptize you into the, the family of God, man, that, nothing would excite us more. As we sing a song, I'll just move to the back and receive you there. Why don't you stand as we sing together?